And welcome to Three is the Magic Number, a podcast where we ask our guests to discuss their three favourite things. I'm your host, Renfrey Debman, and joining me, as always, is the ever-affable Matthew Hughes. Matt, how are you today? I'm I'm good, thank you very much, Renfrey. I'm looking out at a very grey Sunday, but with this chat, with having you in front of me, it's uh-huh. not grey anymore, it's rainbow. Hey. I brightened your day. I, I, mean, day. I don't know. Don't know. Don't know how I feel about being called Rain Man, but sure. Uh, Rainbow. A good thing. Rainbow. Oh, Rainbow. Rainbow. I thought you could be Rain Man. Oh no, God, I feel on. so silly. And it wouldn't. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Could be Rain Man either. Oh dearie me! What a great start. Mm. <laughs> before, <laughs> um, before we start talking about our guests uh, today, Matt, we have neglected to thank some of the people who have helped us out mm. on this podcast it's only Naughty the second we are we are very very bad people it's only the second episode proper so i feel like we can sort of uh we can just about get away with it but i do feel like we should very very quickly give a big thank you to steve beach for creating our lovely logo which i think is awesome i have to yeah. say i'm not just saying that because i feel bad about not thanking him before to katie parsons for creating all the cool stuff and illustrations and all that sort of thing that we've been posting out on social media that i'm sure that you lovely people have been looking at and and seeing and those are really 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 cool so thank you katie and also um to joe gosney and dave larkin formerly of black peaks for creating our lovely theme music which i've been manipulating into all sorts of shapes and sizes for editing purposes for this podcast but, you know, Black Peaks, a band that we adored. In fact, you managed them, Matt. I did, and we were, I did, yes. We're eternally grateful to them for putting in the time because it, it really is ace, that theme. But speaking of Black Peaks and someone else who was a really big Black Peaks fan before they called it a day, our guest today, Radio 1 DJ and musician in his own right, Daniel P. Carter. Dan P. Carter! Dan P. Carter! I mean, Dan is a hero to heavy music i don't think that's a overestimation at all or uh, in the slightest he's a, he's a hero to me close to my heart yeah. close to my chest yeah. close to my brain close to my everything oh careful uh, especially here in the uk um mm. he presents the radio one rock show on bbc radio one brings two hours of heavy music to the nation's ears every week and the breadth of stuff that Dan brings I mean I love the fact that he can play Napalm Death up alongside Spirit Box you know I mean maybe not together but they will be on the same on show the same at the very show. Least. The you same know what show. he probably he probably would put Spirit Box would. and Napalm Death together because he's a he's, bloody he's, rebel he's a bloody he's, rebel he does what he bloody well likes Dan Picard um I mean Matt you know more about this due to your job than I do surely mm-hmm. but like surely the radio on what show is the biggest source for heavy for new heavy music certainly broadcast on commercial commercial radio in the uk right? absolutely surely. yeah i mean the rock show is is so important um for small bands young bands emerging bands i mean it's the biggest platform i think uh nationally for for any rock band you know and and yeah dan has picked up and championed a load of bands you know and i'm really lucky that he's he's done it with a few of my bands you know black peaks being one of them arcane roots being mm. another one um <laughs> there's just countless countless bands um so yeah he's you know he's he's an invaluable part of this kind of mu- part mm. of the music industry 
and yeah. and he's a wonderful human being yeah he is a wonderful human being um he also hosts swim podcast that's someone mm. who isn't me where he's conducted long form rambly interviews with the likes of deftones chino moreno tall a perfect circle and Lucifer frontman maynard james keenan refutes dennis lixon chelsea wolf gajira's joe duplantier ghost main poppy wes Borland from lip biscuit fat mike from no fx jane's addictions perry farrell lamb of gods randy blythe kat von d Corey taylor sam carter from architects ben weinman formerly from dinger escape plan face the most billy gould laura yeah 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 he's got a good he's got a good podcast he's he's got got a good podcast sure he's you know he's he's connected that fella i mean obviously he's also a musician in his own right we should say he's been in a multitude of bands including hexes a bloodhound gang and crocodile and i think his choices for three is the magic number reflect that as dan has gone in for (laughs) well in his own words over email he said top three 90s albums that hardly anyone talks about other than people in bands and or nerds which is essentially the same thing Yes, literally that sentence is is, that his, was... is his chosen topic for top threes. That's that's what he put yeah. to us. We decided to change it slightly. Just shorten to, it, just a little bit. Just, just a tad bit, yeah. to top three lost albums of the 90s, Done. which I think Done. encapsulates... I think he encapsulates yep. what he's basically trying to say. Yep. Um, this is a great list, right, Matt? Oh, um, man alive. It's right up our alley. Yeah. It's... Well, it's the 90s, which we're both massive, massive fans of, which um, anyone who doesn't know us, you will get to know that we are big fans of the 90s if you continue to listen to us. Brilliant choices, right? Fantastic. Yeah. And really badly, I was, wasn't was actually aware of one of the one of his choices, which has now since gone on to become a band that I love and get annoyed at how incredibly pricey their records are on Discogs. But um, yes. there is one of his choices that I was aware of and have been told by multiple people, including yourself, that I should check out and I would fall in love with and i don't know why i just never did never did for some reason i don't know if it's the name or something it's a silly name it's a silly name it's a silly name (laughs) but following dan's kind of like pick his three picks i i kind of spent time with all of them and and yeah i mean i've absolutely found one of my favorite bands i mean yeah totally Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, look, I think we've done enough teasing. Indeed. I think without any further ado whatsoever, we should get into this conversation because it's a really great one. This is uh, Daniel P. Carter on his three favourite lost albums from the 90s. Mr. Daniel P. Carter, thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute privilege to have i am going to embarrass you here i i've literally just said that i wasn't going to embarrass you but i am going to embarrass you now sir so one of the most esteemed conduits between heavy music and heavy music fans on our little show and what a hell of a job and a hell of a responsibility to have hosting the radio on rock show every week are you constantly pinching yourself dan um wow um so <laughs> hello by firstly the way. hello Firstly, uh, I think that was very, it's very professional the way you've just done that because I thought the 10 minutes of utter bullshit of me just <laughs> talking nonsense was going to be part of the pod because if that was me, it would have been. Uh, and I respect that you're actually doing this properly. Um, as far as my job goes, um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's constantly a trip, if I'm honest with you. I never thought that, you know, as being somebody that, that played in bands and grew up amongst music uh, and listening to Radio 1, you know, listening to both Peel, but also 
to Tommy Vance when he did the rock show and, ne- and then Marianne, obviously. I never thought that, um, yeah, that I'd be doing that job, let alone for the amount of time which I have been doing it, which is... Uh, 500 years? Like 30. Yeah, about 500 years. Don't be rude, Matt. <laughs> anyone, else, anyone else that that wants that job, of which I know there are many, tough shit. I'm going to be there literally until they uh, like have to put me down like a like a, a poorly old cat. Oh. I shouldn't even make jokes about because I've currently got a poorly old cat. That's oh, my subconscious coming that. through. She's not that yeah. poorly. She's just gone kind of crazy and now like think she's just a person she kind of did anyway but now she's definitely in that world yeah that's my subconscious coming out as we talk <laughs> well wow, that's fantastic. yeah uh, yeah so um it is a total trip and and it is a huge responsibility as well um because you know i've been in the position where where i was in the bands that was was trying to get played on on those shows yeah. and and i realized yeah and i realized the effect that it would have and now you have that responsibility of who gets played and who doesn't. I'm going to be honest with you, Dan. The only reason why we've asked you onto this podcast is because me and Matt are actually doing a PJ and Duncan tribute act that we'd really like to get on the Radio 1 <laughs> Rock show. This is true. That's uh, fine. Yeah. So you know how it works. Just that. like, that's, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I feel like your picks for this particular podcast really go in with your work. Um, not only are all of these albums that you've chosen from the 90s, Dan, but they're from a very specific <laughs> part of the 90s as well. Um, do you think yeah. there was something happening at that time? That they're, they're all from 96 to 97. Do you think there was something happening nuts, at that time? It? Yeah. Do you think there was something that was happening at that time that meant that a lot of great bands got lost under the radar? Um, I think that um, in the wake of the kind of post-grunge feeding frenzy when everybody at a major label was like, oh my God, we need to have a band that's like this, where everyone started running around like headless chickens and signing bands that had um, no reason to be releasing records on major labels. I had this conversation recently actually with Simon from Biffy about on a podcast about that whole very period where, where there, was, there, there was tons of bands that, you know... Like, why was the Jesus Lizard putting Jesus records Lizards. out on Atlantic? I knew you were going to say Atlantic. that. <laughs> Seriously. Of course. Yeah. It's yeah. like one of, the, one of the most incredible, visceral bands of that entire era. It, just untouchable live band and on record, truly, truly amazing. Super abrasive and like funny as well and really dark and really inventive. And yet, you know, they're doing split singles with Nirvana yeah. That, that charted here in the UK um, and yeah and they were signed to a major and it, and it's you know that's great I'm not saying that that's a bad thing you know I think that's incredible that and it what it did seem to be that that whole period where where um, you know I'm being quite disparaging about it going oh yeah there was all these clueless A&R people going oh we need to sign a band that's like this no they probably weren't they were probably music fans exactly the same as you and I Maybe. Who uh, who were like, this is one of the greatest bands on the planet. Let's try and sign them to our label. And it might not necessarily work out. They're not going to sell as many records as Nevermind did, obviously. But if we can support incredible music, we should. And uh, I'd like to think it, it was that way, you know, same way with like Melvin's when they signed and put out Houdini. Something that is interesting as well, actually, that, that when I was looking at... Um, so I made a list of different um, albums that I wanted to include in this. And obviously, as we said, it's like top three albums from 
kind of the late mid to late nineties that kind of got missed, I guess, that that are incredible. May I remind you of your wording, Dan? Um it was Go uh, on, please do. Top three nineties albums that hardly anyone talks about other than people in bands and or nerds, which is essentially the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've yeah, shortened it. We, we made it, it a little true. bit a little bit snappier. <laughs> we just, we just shortened it to top three lost albums of the nineties. <laughs> yeah. You guys should produce my radio show. <laughs> <laughs> Please. We'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to fight Carly for it, and yeah. I will yeah, yeah, you wouldn't stand a chance if yeah. I'm honest. No, I don't think no. we would. <laughs> no. Canadian brawler in one corner and us in the other. We're gonna lose, I'm afraid. The love yeah. of Carly. She would literally kick your teeth in. Um, can 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 we take this moment just to just all swim in the pool that is the magic of the nineties? Can we just just indulge ourselves a little bit before we go? Because I I yeah. think you know I think myself and you Dan are of a similar age. I think um, and you know, uh, I think hundreds. I'm probably infinitely older than you. But yeah, <sighs> sure, okay. Uh, so the yeah the nineties was this magical nineties <laughs> was this magical period and like you like anyone i think that loves music and and especially the 90s i have so many lists of bands playlists of bands that no one not no one knows but you know there are those forgotten bands and for some reason i'm sure it happens in every decade but the 90s for me there are so many incredible bands like you said they either got picked up by a major and were sort of yep maybe shouldn't have been because they it didn't quite work out or maybe that they released in a wrong period of time or or something just wasn't maybe they were ahead of the game like some of your picks like one of your picks that i texted you about you know certainly feels like how is this band not the biggest band in the world yeah but yeah just yeah i just wanted to say yeah your three picks are great um and um yeah i've kind of really fallen good. in love with all of them that rules well there you go that's that's a win straight away but I mean, you know, we shouldn't also fall into the trap of being like total old heads and going, oh, music was so much better in the 90s. Oh, no, no, Cause, no, Because no. that's not necessarily true, is it? I mean, it's just no. that there's amazing bands constantly appearing like new bands and I get to support a lot of them on the show. But yeah, I, I do have a real affinity for that era and I, I just feel like, um, yeah, that I, I got to see some bands play during that period and the records that got released that, that I think are quite life-changing records. And, and um, yeah, that, that's why I wanted to do this, essentially, without without it wanting to be like this kind of, yeah, dwelling on nostalgia and going, oh, weren't things better back in the olden days? Because, yeah, I mean, we're not going to do that. No. It's not yeah. about better, though, is it? It's just about, it's just about highlighting. <laughs> but let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's, but it's highlighting. I think that's the cool thing, you know? Like, it's yeah. like if someone did a podcast in 20 years about the hidden gems of... 2020 do you know what i mean like and people you know want to talk about how brilliant gulch are or elephant tree yeah. or drain or end or whatever you know there's been so many incredible records this year yes all of those things hopefully though none of those things will go um disappear into the ether but i do feel like it's probably a bit more difficult now i don't know i was thinking about this because i don't know whether or not now that the opportunity to make records um with your friends, I mean, it was always there, but it's a lot easier now because everybody has a laptop and everyone can make a, a great sounding record, ones that sound a lot better than a lot of the seven inches I've got, in fact, and then put them out online. That's incredibly punk rock and, and a beautiful thing. But at the same time, the flip side of that is everyone can do that now. You know, as you know, the positive is also the negative because it's like maybe maybe some people shouldn't. <laughs> <It's one laughs> 
<laughs> but the other thing, the other thing with that, and you know, I don't begrudge anyone having a creative outlet, but especially at a time like now, because it's 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 the way to keep your mental health in check. But also, being yeah. in a band is 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 totally the opposite of that as well, if we're honest. Mm. But also, the other thing is now that because everyone can make great sounding records and just release them via whatever means like dsps or soundcloud or whatever platform you want to do that on and get that out there to people myspace (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's easy it's easy to get it's easy to get lost right yes yes well shall we move on to your first choice then in and it is an absolute doozy i have to say Bark Market, wow. a, uh, well, I'm just going to say rock trio, but that really isn't summing up everything that they do, who formed in New York City in 1987. Um, Dan, take it away and tell us about this wonderful, wonderful band, Bark Market. Okay, so were either of you fans before we get into this? Like, I were was. Either of you, well, you I think were. I was, a, I was aware. Yeah, and I think we've had a conversation the last week where I've said to you, Dan, why have I not listened to this band before? You know, mm. it, 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 I have had Jamie Lemon in my ear for about four years telling me about Bar Market and I've just gone, yeah, 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 I'll get around to it, get around to it. And then, but this particular record that you're, you know, you're you're highlighting, Elron especially, um, mm. because it's yeah. the only one that's on DSPs. I just... Which I, is from the mo- Yeah, which is Crackers. Um, but uh, I mean, it's just from the first riff, that first track that opens, I mean, I was just hooked and I then spent three days searching for vinyl and failed miserably yeah yeah it's super expensive now isn't it so the, the opening track on the album elron that we're talking about is called visible cow yeah. um which is i think one of the greatest opening tracks <laughs> on an album yeah because it's like it starts off with like this recording of 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 the front man singer dave sardi walking into a room like you hear him like walk in click the door shut pick up a guitar and there's like this slide guitar intro where it's like, smells like hell inside of here. And it sounds super redneck and, and amazing. And then it starts to step up in layers of production. And, and you're like, whoa, this is really like kicking in now. And then it hits another point And it's, it's just so overwhelming. And I actually got to see him play a couple of times. Wow. And it was just ridiculous. And I remember that when they played that song and it hits the the main, like the actual part of when it's all in, mm. it was it was like paint strippingly loud and ferocious, like where you feel like the front of house guy was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I understand where we're going with this. I, he must have been their own front of house guy, I assume. Because it was just ferocious side note steve albini once described uh bark market to a friend of mine as being those perennial room clearers <laughs> wow <laughs> thanks steve <laughs> what kind of rooms were you watching bark market in what kind of venues i i saw them play at the um bull and gate in kentish town oh wow, wow. yeah and it was um i think that i think the the, in that week they were over and they played I want to say it was the garage I'm pretty sure it was the garage and then my mate's band who were a band called Understand who are another incredible out, uh, band from that era they're actually from South End they were like a post-hardcore band that were um, for 
ease and time will say the British quicksand because that's essentially what it was. You know, they they um they put out a couple of records on. Uh, they did an EP on Equal Vision that they recorded with Dom Fury in New York. Um, oh, nice. And then they did this amazing record called Burning Bushes and Burning Bridges, which is fantastic if you don't know that record. It just got re-released, actually, on vinyl by uh, a German label. I think it's a German label called um, 30-something Records. Um, okay, and it, cool. never, it never had a vinyl release. And um, it came out uh, about two months ago. Amazing nice. record. Really good. Um, and the thing was that band, like uh, two two of my old bands, used to play with them a bunch, and and were part of uh, one of which was kind of part of the same scene, which was this kind of South End Essex based hardcore scene. What happened was when that band kind of broke up, most of them kind of came on tour with my later band, which was a band called A, and they would just come on tour with us and like the front man, Dom, would drive the van and be like... And they, they just came out and we'd, we'd pay them, like, PDs, essentially, because they were our mates and they'd just hang out and load gear. And then and then they'd all st- they all started to kind of f- fill crew roles within within our, you know, our touring party. Like, so Dom initially was driving and... But he... Because he was the front man of that band, he ended up being a tour, the tour manager, you know, in quotes. And uh, Stu, the bass player, ended up being in my bass tech because he knew about basses. And Rob, who was the guitarist in Understand, just, I think we were doing a gig in Kingston one night and and it was like, it might have been the Peel and they were like, oh, the lighting man's not turned up. And oh, Rob, no. who was just who was just kind of like helping out and, and coming on tour with us, went, all right, show me what does what and just sat there and, and like, you know, pressed buttons because he knew the songs in time and, and did lights for us. And they, they all toured with us and kind of learned on the road with our band the, those touring roles. So now Dom's tour manager for Muse and uh, Incubus wow. and a bunch of bands. Rob, who did lights one night for us at Kingston Peel, is now lighting man for Iron Maiden and and Ghost. And, you know, Stuart, wow. bass techs for, well, for for so many bands like he's done muse and, and a bunch of other bands as well so anyway that band understand sorry that was a really long diversion uh understand were playing at the bull and gate and they knew that bark market were, was in town because they were doing that show the next night or the night before or whatever i think this is right and um, they just said do you want to come and play this show that we're doing you can close it and I initially, obviously, I knew the band at that point anyway and but and was going to see Understand, but was like, whoa, Bart Market's been added to the bill. And it was just ferocious, just crushing, absolutely amazing. And wow. we should point out that, that the frontman guitarist for Bart Market is a guy called Dave Sardi, who has since produced... Um, well, he was actually Rick Rubin's engineer for a long time. And, and as a lot of those guys that Rubin would employ to be his engineers then kind of flew the nest and, and became these incredible producers. So like him and George Draculius and a bunch of other people. But Dave Sardi, as we said, singer guitarist in Bark Market has produced like Helmet and I have uh, a list. Oasis. I, can, I can help you. I yeah. can help Oasis, you out here. Rolling Dan. Stones. Go on. Red Hot Chili Peppers, System of a Down, Helmet, Vision of Disorder, Soul Wax, Atari, Teenage Riot, Hundred Reasons, Head Automatica, Stone Temple Pilots, Royal Blood, and the Rolling Stones, just to name a few. Sure. And that really is a very tiny part of his producer mixer credits. 
Yeah, it's funny. I knew yeah. Dave Sardi, but I, but, I, but I didn't make the connection of him being the person mm. in Bart Market. To be fair, I don't think many people do. And I also think he probably likes to keep that quiet for some reason. Really? Because I remember, well, I don't know. I remember after he did the 100 Reasons album, again, name checking MySpace twice in one podcast, uh, <laughs> once for, for comedy value and then once for an actual anecdotal reason. I actually started messaging him through MySpace. Right. And we were just talking about um, like different records that he'd produced. And I and I eventually, after we'd, we'd gone backwards and forwards a few times, I then kind of blurted out, as I often do, um, about Bart Market. And then he was a bit like, weird about it. Wow. How interesting. I, I mean, I, t- I tweeted, I tweeted, oh, you know, I think I even said thanks to you, Dan. I said, oh, you know, I'm now listening. I'm now in love with Bart Market. And the guitarist from 100 Reasons tweeted back at me and went, literally the reason we got him to produce our record, like straight up. Yeah, I, that's fair to say. Um, yeah, and so he he obviously has produced all these incredible bands. And, and as we said, you know, the, the variation between stuff that he's done from like Soul Wax to Slayer is it, yeah. super broad. He's just incredible. But I still think that yeah. this record is one of the greatest sounding things that he's produced which i know he's more than likely going to go what are you talking about but um i i'm in love with the record i think it's just unbelievable and that opening track literally ticks every box if you're a fan of of kind of new yeah. york uh heavy noise rock so i don't know i mean what I don't know what you'd compare it to. It's very ahead of its time. I, I mean, I was struck. Oh, unbelievable. I was really struck about, you know, whenever someone, I constantly am saying this to Renfrew, whenever anyone recommends anything to me over and over again, I generally tend to block it out and be like, oh, well, I'm never going to fucking bother. But obviously with Bart Market, it was different because <laughs> it's a pod. Yeah, because yeah. that's, that's, that's who I am. But with Bark I Market... trust none of your opinions. <laughs> yeah, I'm way cooler than all of you. I know way more about everything. <laughs> But with Bart Market, as soon as I listened to it, I was struck by how modern it sounded, how direct and instantly accessible it was. And uh, and maybe in the 90s, that was a very different world and maybe people had kind of different sonic palettes going on and maybe it was, you know, it's... But in today, for me, for my ear, if I play, if you sent me that record and said, this is a new band from New York, they sound amazing. I'd be like, this, yeah, absolutely. This, they sound better than Sign me up. 95, 99% of bands that I'm currently yeah. listening to. Like, incredible sound. And you know what? I, gar- I guarantee that 95% of those bands probably feel like we do about this album as well. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I said, it is, it is band nerds and music nerds. And... Yeah, it's a weird one, man, because it it came out on American Recordings, like Rick Rubin's label, and it's it's so abrasive and yet so hooky as well. Yeah. It's incredible. It's yeah. the perfect <laughs> it's the perfect album. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? Dis- discuss. <laughs> well, what well, I mean, what do you, I mean? Obviously, you know, Renfrey, you know, you know, you you know, you you guys are well more clued up on Bart Market. what happened why did it not connect what why is it because it was on a good label it had good pedigree I know this was I think Elrond was the last record that they did before they disbanded so what what was there a reason why they didn't achieve that kind of or did they not want it do you think did they not really care about crossover success 
I, I believe it's because they were coming over and supporting UK bands at the Bull and Gate. Might <laughs> 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 have had something to do with right, it. Right. I think I think it was really ahead of the time, ahead of its time. Um, you know, anyone that loves those first couple of Tool records, if you love like Opiate and Undertow, and you don't know this album, this could become one of your favorite records. I think. Yeah, that's fair definitely, to say. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. There's something in the guitars. There's something that Dave Sardi really became well known for recreating in his production. And it's this kind of buzzsaw guitar. I remember talking to Jonah Matranga, bit of a name clang. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you'll do some far bigger name clangs than that, Dan. <laughs> but uh, we can get into that if you want. It's, it'll become like an arms race. <laughs> You will win. You will obliterate us. But Jonah Matranga from true. Far and that that um that Far album, Water and Solutions, which is another I think underrated nineties classic. Record. Probably probably not amazing in the same way as record. these records. Yeah, but record. Amazing, amazing album. And they went with Dave Sardi because they wanted the sounds from this record. They wanted that buzzsaw guitar sound yeah. you know the the scraping the paint off the walls kind of guitar tone that is so prevalent in this album, you know. Yeah. You know, another interesting thing, again, another side note. Sorry, I feel like this is Go like uh, my brain is a ping pong ball inside uh, a large room. Good. That label, 30-something records, the, the I think German label, that just put out the Understand record, also repressed Water and Solutions on vinyl recently. Oh, nice. Cool. Which um, which is really hard to get hold of normally, and I think it may have even sold out already, but um, they've done a really good job of it. Yeah, nice. which is again I'm, a wreck. I'm going to look for record. both as soon as this pod is finished. I'm going to look for both yeah, before yeah, I have that's to an amazing before I have to troll Discogs. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, yeah. Because Elron <laughs> on Discogs, I think Man's nah, Ruin nah. put it out on vinyl, and it's um, it's so crazy expensive. Yeah, this record is is truly incredible. It is so ahead of its time, and has influenced so many bands that we love that most people probably aren't aware of its influence. Yep. That's why I had to put it in the list because it is, um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. You know, the EP as well that came out just before Elron is, a, is an EP called Lard Room. And that's got one of their greatest songs on it, which is a song called I Drown. Um, okay. Brilliant. I don't think I know that EP. I do now because as soon as I tweeted about it, Jamie, our, or all of our friend Jamie Lemon uh, texted me and said, what the hell do you mean you don't know Bart Market? And he then sent me a very nice email with lots and lots of music. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> See, it's um, they they are one of those bands that I think that if, as soon as you start talking about them and other people, um, that are aware of them already, there is this almost um, fervent religious zeal about them where they're like, oh my god, you need to listen to this. Oh, have you got that? Totally. You know, it yeah, it's groundbreaking and influential. Yeah, yeah. I feel like all three of your choices have that kind of um bands band kind of thing to them um you know bands who know like uh what did, was it the velvet underground that they said of velvet underground and nico not many people heard that record but the people who did like formed a band kind of thing as a result of it or something like that yeah. you know it feels like these are all records which have that kind of quality to them i think another thing that's worth mentioning about um bark market is the fact that their drummer's name was rock savage <laughs> yes i was gonna sorry i was gonna say this and if you try and find anything about him there's nothing it's just that he's called rock, Sa rock savage like what <laughs> is that? I mean, it's there's no pseudonym. It's like literally no information anywhere about it, apart from the fact he's called Rock Savage. I mean, it's just, I am what the, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And also, this is a three-piece, right? They're, they're a three-piece bike market? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, three-piece is um, forever. Three-piece is forever, man. Super powerful. Did they manage to recreate that sound as a three-piece um, live? Oh, yes. Because it's yeah. complex, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think they're all, um, they're all incredible players. Like John Nolan, the bass player, had amazing bass tone as well. Really, like, like slack and... Um, but still quite punchy. I mean, it, uh, we won't get into the minutiae of bass tone because that's really boring for anyone that isn't a bass player and even boring for most bass players. But um, <laughs> one thing about uh, the drummer was I seem to have this recollection that um, instead of a floor tom, he had what was essentially another kick drum, but a slightly smaller one, which looked like, and this may be my mind just lying to me, but I want to believe it's still true. He had this kick drum that was hanging from almost like, you know, like when you see like a prog band play and they've got like a gong hanging from like a weird frame behind them. Yeah. yeah. He had a kick drum hanging from one of those on like what looked like two bungee cords that he would use as like a floor tom. So a lot of those like style things was him just, smacking the hell out of this thing that was hanging next to him that was like essentially another kick drum at the bull and wow. gate wow <laughs> i bet they've never seen the like yeah where, where on earth you can't you can't even Rock, bring a kick what are you doing you even, like the, the bull and gate is tiny i mean i am rock get... savage and i will break those rules <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Dave and John. There's Dave over there and John over there. What's your and rock? Yeah. Sure, I've got some Amazing. suspended drum parts. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, fantastic. no biggie. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that record's that, so great. Yeah, it's an incredible record. It's so sort of unusual and weird you mentioned the sort of delta blues slide acoustic intro you've got like some eerie banjo on there as well and some interesting tape loops and people weren't doing that kind of thing at the time and then just married to that really heavy buzzsaw guitar sound that dave sardi gets out it's just it's just yeah. an incredible very unique record it's very individualistically them you go yeah that's Bart mark but his voice right as well like i mean i know we haven't yeah. i mean i know we haven't really spoken about it but his voice is unbelievably good like it's such yeah. a cool voice yeah. and it fits so perfectly with that like you say that buzz saw you know rock savage doing his thing <laughs> um you know it just is his voice is awesome and it, it's it's what what was one of the things uh that so really his lyrics me in. yeah great lyrics his, his lyrics are amazing yeah um what is one of the lyrics is like something about it won't it won't take long we'll list all our beatings in cursory rhyme and it's just like just talking about all these really horrible things. <laughs> it's just about um, being a full outsider. It's amazing. Yeah. So great. I've, I feel like we could probably talk about Elrond for the entirety of the podcast. So shall we yeah. maybe mm. move on to your second choice? Side note, if you love that record. Side note, over there. Should, <laughs> yeah. This side, side now. <laughs> if, you lo if you love that record, you should also, do you know that band Mule? Uh, yes, I do know Mule. Yes, I know Mule. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so Mule, again, were another band around the same kind of era that was, like, in that whole kind of um, shellac, Steve Albini-ish world. But they Mule had the similar kind of weird, like, as you said, kind of almost Delta Blues kind of yeah. uh, redneck vibe to them almost. Um, yeah. So that's a similar kind of thing. If you um, 
if you go and check this record out and love it and then go, I would like more of that and then go back through the whole Bart Marker back, back catalog, but then still want some other stuff, then you can start on Mule. They're self-titled and then uh, there's an EP called Rung, which is amazing. So great. That almost yeah. made the list. Anyway. Great shout. Uh, okay, let's move on to your second choice, a band who were very much uh, blinking. You'll miss them even at the time. Um, yeah. Handsome. Um, not handsome. Not um not umbop <laughs> handsome that handsome. hidden gem <laughs> <laughs> the self-titled album by handsome um i mean wikipedia yeah. describes them as a rock supergroup. I, I guess that's true if you're into really um underground alternative music of the time uh features members of well, helmet and quicksand go, go on dan yeah no i feel i feel it's a, a fair thing to say because at the time um you know it did feel like post hardcore i mean it did for me anyway because that was all i was listening to pretty much at that moment but yeah as you said so guitarist tom capone was in quicksand uh pete mengeed was in helmet and then has done a bunch of other stuff since with uh like institute and whatnot with um yeah. is he in Gabriel bush Stone. now actually he may well be actually I think, yeah i, I, I think, think he, he might actually be maybe and that um, new Bush record yeah. was really good as well. The new Bush one. Yeah, it is really wicked. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then the front man, Jeremy, is uh he was in Jets to Brazil, I think. He was the yes. bass player in Jets to Brazil. Yeah. 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 Uh this is <laughs> we just listed all these bands that a lot of people are just gonna be like, don't, don't know what you're on about, mate. <laughs> you could literally be making up words. <laughs> this whole podcast is gonna be that practically, let's face it. <laughs> but that's fine. Now, Dan, can I ask you if the one of the reasons why you chose Handsome is because the vocalist is also predominantly a bass player? Nope. Oh. Fair, fair enough. But I love that you feel that I would be that strongly about uh, electing something to something as prestigious as this, based purely on the fact that I feel that bass players are uh, an undersold commodity. <laughs> well, I think they are. But I think the cool, the really great thing with Handsome is how awesome he is as a vocalist. Like how perfect mm -hmm. he is for the music, for the record. Like this record yeah. in particular. How he's not fronting a bunch of other bands. Like I can explain that, or I think I can. Okay. So. Uh, well, firstly, let's talk about this record because um, they did do a couple of seven inches before, but then, then they did this self-titled album um, and it came out on Epic. Um, and yeah, and it disappeared. And yeah, it if you a are a label. fan of stuff like Quicksand and Helmet, obviously, or Deftones, um, this this record is stunning. <laughs> it, it's a, it is one of the um, greatest post-hardcore albums and again is one of those things where it's like a secret club if you t if you happen to be in somebody's company and you go oh yeah there was this great record by a band called handsome those that know know and instantly will everyone will just start talking about how incredible that album is and i think i've had that conversation with members of deftones i reckon that conversation starter yeah. has started friendships that have lasted for years that like that line alone do you know yeah. that handsome yeah for sure alone? but eddie nappy who played um bass in handsome uh is a um was a tech for a long time as well and and um and i again it was one of those things we were talking about different bands you know and it's like you know as soon as you start talking about helmet or quicksand or any bands from that era everyone will go oh yeah but what about that handsome record yeah and i think i did that with him 
and he was a bit weird and just went yeah i, I was the bass player in that band and i was just like what what <laughs> and then uh and then uh and then the whole kind of me as i often do as i've kind of mentioned briefly earlier i i I have these moments where I try and keep my cool with meeting people, especially if I've known they've, you know, records that I truly love, and I'll I'll be cool for for like about ten minutes, and then it all just all goes to shit, and I'll just be like, and totally fanboy about stuff. And I, I did that with him. Other notable moments that has happened would be um, I got to do some recording with Ken Andrews, who is the guitarist and singer in a band called um, Failure, who also did a a band brilliant called bands. on and stuff brilliant amazing band, band. Yeah. i got i got to do some recording with him and then the first day we met him we went straight to the studio to do some pre-production in la and uh i was kind of jet lagged but excited and and you know we sat down and we spoke about music and we while everyone was getting their gear set up um getting up sounds and stuff and we had a really cool conversation and I held it together for the first day. And then the second day, we went back into the studio to do some more stuff. And by that point, the jet lag was was fully raging. And uh, he said something about his old band, and that was it. It was literally like somebody taking their finger out of a hole in a dike. And all of a sudden, all this water just <laughs> bursting <laughs> forward as I was just like, ah, I loved your band so much. This record, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and he just kind of looked horrified. I did the same thing to Rivers from Weezer once um, at, during an interview, um, where that was, which oh, was yeah. really bad because yeah. both of us were. Um, it was later in the day at a festival, and and uh, I was desperately trying to keep my right. shit together and and um, did the interview, and it was all really cool. And then just as we were winding up, I just fully fanboyed at him again. And started saying about like, oh, the first time I saw you play was this. And then I saw you did the first ever UK show at the Water Rats. And uh, like this. And, and he was just looked at me like, oh, what? I thought you were quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love I love a good fanboy moment. Like, I love a good fanboy moment. Like, I, yeah, I've had many. I did, I did one with, uh, I was managing a band and uh, called Arcane Roots. And they played a show with Muse and... Uh, that we waited around for a day because Biffy Clyro had su was supporting them the next day, and uh, Andy f Andy from Arcane knew Simon quite well, and I'd never met them, and I really loved mm. Biffy, like really really loved Biffy, and um, amazing band, and I was really excited about meeting them, and obviously meeting Mike Venart as a Ocean Size fan as well, and I met Simon Neil, yeah. and I put my hand out to shake his hand because he was being super nice and saying hello and coming to the dressing room, and I don't know why, but my voice just really went. <laughs> <laughs> really nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, and he looked, he looked at me like he was really nice and polite, and gave me a glass of wine. But he sort of gave me a little pat on the shoulder, like, "Yeah, you've, you've, you've let yourself go a bit there, mate. You've blown it, son. <laughs> really. You go sit over there with Gambler, and I'll sit here with the band." It makes me feel so much better knowing that both of you still have these moments. Of course. I've been doing this for around 10 years or so. And actually, I had a similar um, fangirl, fangirl, fanboy moment with um, with Simon Neal quite recently. We got him on our podcast and um, I was really cool for the whole hour chat. And then at the end of the podcast, he just told me that he 
knew my work and he'd read um one of my reviews when i was at the independent and i went insane the whole <laughs> charade of kind of like oh my god oh my god oh my god and i was just like i mean i love the vertigo bliss i mean i love the, the latest stuff as well the latest stuff's amazing i'm not one of those fans who only likes the early <laughs> stuff oh my god so i mean you're so amazing can i can i lick can i lick your dog oh my god oh it was wow awful. and that was yeah. only a few weeks ago and i just look back i'm like for fuck's sake i'm like you know, I've written for, you know, international newspapers and stuff like that. I really should be able to hold no, it man. together for these conversations. And I just, I just I think can't. that's great, though, can't. because that's too exciting. That just know? shows that we're all still the total excitable music fans yeah. that we were when we were 14 yeah. and first started discovering music, you know? Totally. That's beautiful, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Not yeah. very cool, no. but, but definitely but beautiful. <laughs> That's, that's okay. I can live with not being cool. So I I first found out about Handsome when I went to see Cop Shoot Cop uh, in the 90s uh, a while ago. Yes. Town and, oh, Cop, Cop Shoot Cop. Cop. Yeah, Town and Country Club, which is now called The Forum. And yep. um, and the we forum, were like yeah. dancing, dancing, <laughs> moshing or whatever next to these guys. And uh, and it, <laughs> it was the we were swinging from left to right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he had this awesome... <laughs> t-shirt and it said handsome and i thought uh, you know that's a bit i said something like oh that's you know that's a bit braggy and he went you don't know handsome you don't know this band handsome and he started and you got marched out it. of the gig yeah i did i did i got like a red card <laughs> <laughs> an uncool card yeah and he told me all about it and i went and bought it at richard sounds in guildford the next day and i just love it i mean i'm a massive quicksand helmet yeah deftones fan and it just it's all of that but like you say there's it's got so much cool stuff about it. You know, the songs are so interesting. They go in so many different directions and sonically, and oh, it's just a wonderful record. Sounds fantastic. Mm. Like produced by Terry yeah. Day, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, who is, again, a legendary producer who's worked with everybody um, ever. Shall I, shall I do this? He's worked with uh, Deftones, Pantera, Soundgarden, Screaming Trees, White Zombie, Incubus, Limp Bizkit, Snoop Dogg, Smashing Pumpkins, Soulfly, Fall of Troy, Bring the Horizon Slayer, and Dan. I was Amazing! actually going... Oh, yay! His worst work. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because I've not, I've not spoken to many people who've worked with Terry Date. And again, massively enviable um, discography that he has there and production credits. What was it like yeah. working with Terry Date? What was your experience like working with him? Um, incredible. But uh, also, um, again, had another one of those moments. This was actually really late in the recording that I had the, the kind of weird floodgate moment as we were just describing with him <laughs> um what actually happened was uh we were in seattle for maybe a couple of months recording the last a record and we were yeah we were quite far through it and we'd done all the recording and, and there'd been all these incredible moments where you know there'd be arguments like we go oh um Adam, the drummer, would go, oh, yeah, well, I, I'm get, like, we're going to play this to a click track, but um, this bit feels way better slower, so we're going to have to do a map on the click track where we, like, drop it down a few BPM, and then as it comes out of the mid-eight, we need to put the click track to go back up. And I remember Terry going, why, why do you need a click track? And he was like, well, you know, because, you know, there's so much push and pull, and, you know, we've got to keep it like this. I mean, to be fair... Um, because we were using like a lot of samplers and sequencers and, and electronica as well that Giles was doing, I think, you know, it makes things a lot easier to have that in place in his defense. 
But Terry just went, uh, <laughs> he was like, well, when I was recording Soundgarden, and then you... Yeah, and he doesn't, I don't think he means it like that. He wasn't, he was literally doing as a, as an example. It's just that, it's just that all the bands he'd worked with obviously are these legendary bands. And I can't remember which song it was he was talking about. And he goes, listen to this song. And when it starts, uh, the tempo is this. And then by the end of the song, and it goes back to the same riff, listen, like compare the tempos. That doesn't matter that it's, you don't need that. It, no one's going to go, oh, it's a bit slower here. And, um, and he did have a point. But the thing for me that happened, um, again, the kind of fanboy moment was when, We'd done all the recording pretty much for most of the music, and I think Jason had started tracking vocals for, for the record. And uh, we recorded at this studio called um, Studio X, which used to be called Bad Animals, which is where a lot of those records were made that Terry had done, like Deftones and, and Soundgarden, etc. And um, and there, w there was the control room, then the, this big live room, and then there was like a, a lounge off to one side at the back, and um, it was like a little kind of dining room, kitchen area. And I was sat in there having quite a moment on my own. And I was um, very relaxed, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> Taking, some was, uh, Taking some downtime. Taking some downtime. I was having some downtime and, uh, and um, you know, just enjoying the universe. And, um, and I was listening to records that he'd produced because I'd sort of had one of those moments where uh, I was overly thinking things. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and, and I'd started thinking about all these albums that he'd made. So I was, I was literally, I would play like a couple of songs from, you know, from a Deftones record and then a couple of Pantera songs and then a couple of Soundgarden songs. Anyway, so... Uh, I was currently listening to uh, Handsome, and I think I don't remember what song it was. I won't pretend I do, but it was might have been Needles. But um, he walked into the the kitchen area to get like a soda out of the fridge, and and there's me sat on the sofa, like kind of melting into the sofa with this Handsome track, absolutely blaring, like ripping really loud. And he was just like, "You all right there?" And I was like, "Yeah, man. I just, I just listened to this." He was like, "I've not heard this record since I made it. I don't think." And he and he came, and he walked into like the little lounge area where I was sat, and he was like, "Put it on from the start again." So, so I put the track on, and he was just like, "Damn, that is a great record. It still sounds amazing." And I was like, "Right," and I was like, and then he told me an amazing story about when they made the record. And I don't know if it's my place to to say it, but it, it's probably the reason why Jeremy didn't go on to become a, a singer in various other bands. I think he had quite a rough time when they were making that record. What between him and Terry, or just just in no, 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 no. Between when the Handsome record was getting recorded, Jeremy the singer it got time to do his vocal parts, and I think the rest of the band were like, essentially, don't fuck this up. Right, <laughs> right, yes, but. But but from what I can gather from what he was telling me, it was a lot more intense than that right. and wow. a lot more ongoing than just them saying, don't screw this up for us. Wow. It's such a shame because, yeah, his vocals, if people are listening to the podcast and haven't heard this record, 
and hopefully you will you know go and check it out afterwards i think he's he, he just sounds great like he just fits the, the track so well um it's just, yeah it's just a real shame yeah man I, I think he did an amazing job needles which is the opening track when i heard a perfect circle do judith which is the there's um there's a track on the handsome record which is really similar kind of riffing it's like so if you're a fan of yeah like if you're a fan of deftones a perfect circle helmet etc you should probably go check out this record for sure because it's um even if it wasn't a direct influence on those well i know it wasn't a direct influence on deftones for sure because we've had that conversation with all of those dudes but um yeah it's incredible legendary um I just got to see them play actually once as well. They played at um, they played in Camden at what was the Barfly when it was the uh, when it was in the old place, uh, which was kind of round the back of Camden, and um, yeah, it was in, it was incredible. Just like again, brilliant. Like a band just on top of their game, and just the riffs were amazing. The songs are fantastic. The production is immaculate. And again, it just feels like one of those records that kind of got lost. And, and I, I think it probably, because it didn't g like garner the, the appreciation everyone thought it would, in the same way that Shape of Punk to Come for Refuse didn't, you know, this band gets together and makes this record that they think is going to be this career-defining, like, genre um, classic. And, and everyone just goes, hmm. <laughs> and kind of shrugs when it comes out. Yeah. I think that was the end of the band, and and it was it was that for refused as well. You know, obviously with Shape of Punk, but um, yeah. I mean, I'll say as well. I mean, it, you know, it, as well as kind of all of this kind of technical stuff, we're sort of praising the record for. It's also super. Like, it's really fun. Like, it's a fun. Like, I, you know, I ran to this record this week. You know, listening again to get my because I hadn't listened to it for a while, and it, it's a fun record. Like, it it moves a. a quick pace it sounds awesome like it's mm. easily a record to mm. e you can easily pick up and listen to like it's not overly complicated i don't think well not like you know on the surface anyway it's it's just a really fun record i think yeah yeah it's, it's incredible i'm just reading something about them on uh online about what they all then kind of went on to do i knew about a bunch of it but um interesting about eddie he joined mark lanigan's band i don't know if i knew that already that's kind of mm, cool. Yes. While while yes, Lanigan was doing stuff with Queens, it would have been like Bubblegum era. I'm guessing that he would have been in the Mark Lanigan band. Yeah, possibly. Like field songs, maybe. And and I knew that he did that band Enemy with Troy from Queens of the Stone Age as well, um, which was that's mm. again another really good record. But um, but yeah, it's it feels like Handsome is is one of those um, lost classics. Again, that got a repress in quite recently. Like I think, well, I say quite recently. It was probably like five or six years ago. But again, that's sold out like that. And even the repressings on Discogs now are just ridiculously expensive. But um, yeah. yeah, amazing record. And just for the record, your feelings on Hanson, as in Umbop Hanson? Uh, not not so, so not quite as uh, excited about them, if I'm honest. But fair play. I don't oh, begrudge any, um, any group of brothers making music uh, a living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a double album choice handsome and Hanson. i think that that uh, makes those two records together yeah heartbreaking i think that might even have had another <laughs> another reason for them uh that could have played a part in in their destruction as well 
because any any time yeah, anyone totally, mentions yeah. the band, everyone's like, "What the Umbot band?" It's like, <laughs> no. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Hanson broke ninety six. Would be my guess. You'd uh, know, maybe earlier. <laughs> <laughs> With your handsome tattoo. I've got Mbop tattooed all the way down my arm. Mm. <laughs> oh, you've outed me, guys. You've outed me. Let's move on quickly before I embarrass myself any further to your final choice, Dan, which is an absolute belter. And I have to say, the only choice where I hadn't heard of the band before or the album before, personally, oh, nice. I felt absolutely like a, a a dingle bat for not having heard of this band uh the van pelt had uh, another band from new york city Go yeah, on. how do you feel about the record and the band now you've heard it i think it's fantastic i got really huge american football vibes with this record um i could name a load of other bands from that uh, era like big emo before it was emo vibes before it was called emo vibes so christy front drive yeah. the promise ring mineral karate braid texas is the reason um i feel like i'm just saying words now because a lot of people won't know who these bands are <laughs> i mean you are you know the sort you're of just thing you're I'm just naming about. things that you're seeing in your room <laughs> shoes door <laughs> Beard. Yeah. but yeah definitely definitely of that kind of uh musical vintage and style and very emotional vocals to the forefront i thought this was great really loved it yeah sorry yeah it's it's an amazing an amazingly just just beautiful record uh, um so mm. uh chris leo who's in the band is is brothers of um ted leo who's probably a bit bit more well known i guess within that world i think they were both together in in a band called native nod and um i remember getting the seven inch of their of theirs and i think it's i think the track is called uh maybe the the ep is called lower gi bleed or and it's got a track called bread on it and it's it was like um yeah it was in that kind of emo explosion back in the day like sort of second wave of emo maybe first wave actually i guess if we're going to be picky about it but um the thing with it is is like it would be these incredibly sort of twinkly lush guitar parts over quite brittle and and uh looping kind of rhythm parts but then with this spoken word vocals and that's what Native Nod did as well. And that's mm. that's what the Van Pelt did. And then after the Van Pelt, he did a band called The Laps. So it was kind of like a progression on from that or a continuation of rather, not not so much progression. But um, yeah, they put out uh, a bunch of split seven inches and EPs. And then they did, they did officially two records before they broke up. Um, one of which was called Stealing From Our Favourite Thieves. And then this record, which is the one for me on the list, which is called Sultans of Sentiment because that was the point where they hit exactly what what they were aiming for i think um it's these just lush chiming guitars with with this kind of almost stream of consciousness almost poetry kind of spoken word vocals which sounds really pretentious yeah. and <laughs> maybe is but it's just incredible and this record has a lot of resonance for me especially because as I said, I already like Native Nod. I had Stealing From My Favourite Thieves first, which came out the year before, and I loved that record. But then when Sultans of Sentiment came out, it was just as just before my son was due to be born, my like my first kid. And um, 
and I was moving house and like was buying my first house, having my first child, like all these ridiculously and massively huge kind of life landmarks, I guess, for a lot of people, or it was for me at the time. Mm. And uh, I'd got the got this album and I um, recorded it on cassette. So I was going to this new house that we were buying, which was like a total state. And, and I was spending the nights there, like sleeping in the corner whilst desperately trying to get this house ready for my expectant child and like the amount of emotional pressure that I was under. And all I was doing was listening to this record over and over, <laughs> which probably wouldn't have been actually looking back on like this, this amazing, like great idea because it's a really heavy record. And it's really emotional. And, um, and I was in this, this kind of vortex of, of all this stuff happening in my life. And um, and it's just stayed with me. And every time I listen to the record now, it just makes me feel weirdly heavy inside. But at the same time, really uplifted because of that whole period, but also because of the record itself. And, you know, how it is like certain records really soundtrack moments in your life and yeah. and take on this extra resonance and extra specialness about them. And this record it is that for me. And um, yeah, I've, I, I always sort of every year or so I'll play one song on the show and just just be like people need to hear this still <laughs> you still need to know this record so I'll 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 um play it and most often it's this uh track called Nansen Kills a Cat which I think might be is it the first record yeah it's the first song on the album it's just incredible. Yeah, it came out on a label called Gern Blanston, which which had like a really good pedigree for putting out these amazing emo records and finding these brilliant bands from the US. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful record, and and similar to Remfrey, I I hadn't even ever heard of the band or ever heard the record at all. So listening to this oh. this week was kind of the first, you know, kind of chance to kind of get into it. And like you said, like. I think if you probably break it down and try and explain a bit about exactly what you're listening to, it may come across as sounding a bit pretentious or maybe possibly, I don't know, a bit difficult for people to get into, but it's not. It's just stunningly beautiful. The music is incredible. His lyrics yeah. are, are great. Uh, the flow of the record is, is wonderful. Like it's, 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 it, yeah, it's, it's, and again, I have, since gone on discogs and and laughed at the prices that people are quoting for vinyl um, yeah but yeah i might have a spare copy actually because it got again that got that got repressed hang on one sec i'm gonna go and look right this second oh lord well, if you have any bark market back there dan <laughs> that would also be very nice <laughs> <laughs> oh hello oh Who's my this? goodness the little guy wow. so, so um so that's the repress yes yeah, because I ordered it, um, and it turned up, and the, the sleeve was split, and I literally cried because, <laughs> as I said, this record is one of the, one of my. <laughs> if I had to do like top ten albums of all time, and this will make people just think I'm a maniac, this would be in my top ten, hundred percent. Wow. I just, I, I, j I think there's something, re there's something really special about those albums that manage to soundtrack. Um, 
important moments in your life though yeah. when you were saying that i i it reminded me of an album of a similar time actually i would say that an album that has done that for me is how it feels to be something on by sunny day real estate yeah. whenever i listen to that album now it brings me straight back to i think the winter of 1998 and some of the things that i was going through at that particular time and whilst it wasn't the best time that i was going through listening to the album now is strangely cathartic and interesting because it's kind of like well i got through that time yeah and so it it has such an important special resonance with me that is so personal that i don't think anyone else could necessarily pick up on that i mean i'm sure there are other people who that record is as important to them as it is to me but for it'll be for different reasons and different memories and it's a really special thing when music can do that and it is often emo music isn't yeah. it especially this era of emo you know yeah because i think a lot uh, uh, <laughs> this is so funny but yeah it's i think a lot of the people that are making that music are uh from a similar place and have had those moments and that's why their music mm. sounds the way it does mm. and and that's why it resonates with people yeah. and and um and connects the way it does um yeah, it's funny isn't it how important certain things can can um can become to you because of because they they are the moments like the lifelines almost that get you through those really dark times which is which is incredible mm. I mean, that's a double whammy as well. But yeah, moving house and having a first child, you know, it's a big... Yeah. I mean, I, I did it four years ago. It's a crazy... I did the same thing. Move house, have child. It's a crazy, crazy time. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It's two, two of the biggest things that you can do in your life. I know that a lot of people would be like, oh, moving house isn't such a big deal. But it is. It's a total stress, isn't it? It's ri it really is. crazily stressful, especially when you add on to the fact that mm. it's like you've got this weird almost nesting instinct where you're just like this this has to be right it has to be totally. ready because yep. my entire life is about to change yeah 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 even now like i'll listen to this record and there's there's the track called my bouts with pouncing i think it is is it that one yeah there's like a bit where he just does it, these weird yells in it he's like yeah and every time i listen to that if if like <laughs> my wife walks in she'd be like oh my god because i think <laughs> <laughs> because again like you said it just takes you back to that that um <laughs> straight back to this really super stressful moment in your life and added on to the fact that 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 part of the record was her least favorite at the time as well it's just like she has this weird ptsd every time she hears it <laughs> <laughs> i think there's um a lot of contemporary bands who are picking up on this ah. sort of style and running with yeah. it now as well like bands like the world is a beautiful place and i'm no longer afraid to 100%. die the hotelier foxing there's like a really good oh, i hesitate to use the word scene but i'm going to you know scene for this kind of thing at the moment i think it's taking on a real resurgence like brilliant brilliant music coming out at the moment doing this kind they've of performed yeah, a few I times agree. right as well I, I mean I, I read a bit about them and it seems like they've kind of come back a few times let's start the charge now to get them to yep. come back again and play Art mm. Tangent well they, they did it not so long yeah. ago didn't they when because again those records got repressed by a Spanish label called um, I think it's La Castaña yeah La Castaña in 2017 and I think they got them to reform and and they did a show which all got recorded, I think it's online. But they also did a, a record after after this called Imaginary Third, 
because it was I think it was all the songs that kind of would have become the third album in various forms, either demo forms or forms that had been released on um like singles and seven inches and they kind of put it all together and, and called it Imaginary Third, which I thought was cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um you know what released in April twenty fourteen, apparently. What, that reissue? Uh no, Imaginary Oh Imaginary Third, Third yeah. Because originally um Sultan's Sentiment was ninety seven. Again, yeah. It's funny how they're all from that era. Maybe that was I was just going through this mm. weird period in my life and all these records really hit me hard. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense after what I was just saying about all this stuff. But um, yeah, the, the record's fantastic and, and the lyrics are truly amazing and um, it's it's almost, um, it's very arty and it's all it's like somebody that's doing a, a philosophy degree and an art degree at the same time has been has just written the all the lyrics and it and it, again yeah it does sound almost a little pretentious but um but it's fantastic i think yeah yeah, uh, yeah. there's do you know that um that band called now here well i don't think it's really a band it was like an artist um that put no. out a record Doesn't on uh, equal vision i think it was about seven years ago maybe called hell knows i'm miserable now you listen to that no never heard of them uh no, that, that record's so great basically it's like it's like an unreleased van pelt record essentially that's really not fair to say because it is definitely its own thing what from the last five six seven years or something it came out in 2015 right wow very recent okay yeah hell knows i'm miserable now came out on equal vision and it's like the music sounds like the Van Pelt and his delivery is really similar again in vocal, uh, like his vocal delivery is kind of spoken word, but also it's like if you took spoken word poetry and a little bit of hip hop as well. And again, his super heavy lyrics, really heavy. That's an amazing record actually. Um, but mm. I, I messaged him when I started playing it on the show and I was like, this is so incredible. I love your record. Uh, and again, kind of fam, that's even weirder when you fanboy at somebody over the internet that's net, that, that has no, like, especially as a new artist. And, um, it's like, Oh, it made me think of this. And he was like, yeah, man, I, I, I that record is, is everything. I think. Yeah. I'm um, talking about the Van Pelt. Yeah. Spoken um, word is, spoken word is hard to do. Like I, yeah. As a, t yeah. as a teenager, well. I recorded a spoken word track. It doesn't exist. Pre-internet. And um, I was in a band called Merkin, <laughs> and uh, and we had aspirations of being sort of somewhere between Radiohead and uh, Fugazi, and we sort of that sounds good. Yeah, no, it sounds good for sure. It sounds really good, but we <laughs> we, end, we ended up like with didgeridoos on stage. It was really bad. It was it got Whoa. it got it got silly. But I recorded. We did a demo, and I recorded because I rapped on it. Um, and they were like, "You should do a spoken oh, word." I, I know, need no, to no, hear this. Is, yeah, uh, and they were they my, the band were like, "You should." <laughs> it started out sounding so no. good. They, and they said, "Oh, you should totally," you know, because I was writing poetry. And God, this is making me sound like an absolute dick. Uh, and and I try and I recorded dick, the spoken yeah. word, and the music that the guys made was amazing. And I just sounded so ridiculous. I, I was just you know, and I and it, I think it's. <laughs> knowing how bad I was, not that you know, I ever thought I was very good, but listening to spoken word when it's good, 
and you have su you can have such a connection with it with the lyrics and and you really believe it even though a lot of the stuff that we're using to explain it may make it sound a bit pretentious you know kind of university students writing this beautiful music with spoken word sounds a little pretentious but it's not it's you really can lose yourself in it and i think that's that's what makes this record so great like really yeah yeah it's, it's, it's yeah. so great i really want you to hear the now here record as well i mean I, I, it's kind of now here or nowhere it's 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 spelt nowhere but um but the way it's laid out it's kind of it could be now here maybe we should have you back on for a sequel dan and we could talk about it yeah and if you're up for that i will i'll gladly um yeah i mean what else can we say about the van pelt other than go listen I mean, the to weird it. thing about <laughs> yeah exactly that's just it isn't it that's the thing is i i mean picking a top three like records is kind of a redundant thing to have done because talking you know talking about music is it you know the proof's in the pudding isn't it it's always like you could just go yeah you should go and listen to this record and then people would go, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But the cool thing is you talk about your top three, you know, as in you talk about your top three. And what is great is it's those memories and those other pieces of the jigsaw from your brain that go. Yeah. This I listened to this record when I heard this other band who should, you should totally go see. And the guy that made that record made this other record. And it, you form a map of memories based around music in your mind. And that's what's so yeah. wonderful about you know, trying to hone things down to this top three because everything and the, you know, in terms of the time, you know, 96, 97, you know, and equating yeah. it to kind of that time in your life, it's just creates this beautiful like musical map. And it's, I th you know, I think it's great. You're right. You're right. It's redundant. People should just go and listen to this music because all three records you've brought are brilliant. But a lot of people probably wouldn't unless y you talk at length about why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> maybe. Yes. I don't totally. know. Maybe. Hmm. Totally. Um, but yeah, th um, yeah, it is a shame that that band broke up. I didn't get to see them play. I saw the Laps play, which was the band that, that a couple of them did afterwards. Um, that again is is kind of similar kind of vibe, like a like I said, a continuation of what the Van Pelt did. But um, that record is a truly magical moment in time for me. And I, it is it is weird that as I talk about that one, it probably would explain why the other ones are of, of around the similar era have such resonance for me because it's it's yeah it was like a really time of growth shall we say in my life awesome mm. dan those are three excellent excellent picks thank you so Thanks. much for those and thank you for all the detail that you went into with them Uh, shall we toddle over to our recommendations corner? I'm going to go first with my recommendation corner because I am uh, absolutely... I'm not... I don't have an awful lot of time for video games these days, but I grew up on video games and I freaking love video games so much. Dan, you're nodding away there. Are you a gamer? Uh, I am. I'm not a very good one, but yeah, I'm, there's, in, there's no. a couple of games that have made 2020... Um, way more bearable so much more bearable i think yeah i totally i'm totally on the same wavelength of you as you i think i've just got back into gaming in a big way in 2020 just because it's like finally i've got a little bit of time to put into these 50 60 70 hour games yeah. 
But one game that I just have not been able to get enough of is the new Doom Eternal, because it is like injecting adrenaline into your eyeballs. <laughs> I'm a massive fan of first-person shooters. I've always been a big fan of first-person shooters. I think the first video game I ever played, far too young to play it, probably was the original Doom. Huh. Um, and I absolutely love them. But ter- I was like eight years old. It was, I was way too young to be playing it. But um, tearing up demons to a score i think the score of this game really makes it you're aware of the work of mick gordon i assume dan are you yeah i mean the stuff that mick gordon does on this soundtrack and the way that it makes you feel like you just want to rip and tear out spinal columns of demons from hell as you're playing it it is it is just a shot of adrenaline yeah it's absolutely incredible and when it all goes off and there's demons coming in left right center up your ass everywhere it's absolutely amazing and just blasting the shit out of them i have an expansion pack where they go up your ass vr taking vr to a whole new level yeah i've got this haptic suit that is unbelievable <laughs> those cheeky demons (laughs) cheeky cheeky demons it's an absolutely it it, it just pumps you up so much i cannot play doom eternal past say uh, 11 p.m because the adrenaline will be going through me so it's it's probably the equivalent of playing a show or something like that you know it's just like it's so like ah, like i've just sunk 10 espressos or something like that it's an absolute and and it and so much of it is down to the soundtrack i think mick gordon's work on those games is absolutely exemplary i was saying to matt before we started recording this that the original the doom soundtrack for the first reboot game made in 2016 there's a big mashuga vibe to it and mashuga yeah. released a record that year great record but i barely listened to it because i was too busy listening to the bloody doom soundtrack it's incredible you know i got my mashuga fix that way He's the guy that did the stuff with um, Horizon recently, right? Yes, I believe that's yeah, they, right. Yeah, they got yeah, him. Yeah, I yeah. think, yeah, I think Ollie and Jordan are both um, really big fans of, of all that stuff that you've just been saying, and uh, I believe they got him yeah. involved on that, um, on yeah, on the EP that they've just on Bring Me just released. That's right, the post-human survival EP. It's something along those post-human lines. Post-human survival horror, yeah. Yes, uh, he's just an incredible talent. Um, and in terms of in terms of giving you that rush that I think we probably all got into heavy music for in the first place, I would imagine. Yeah. That adrenaline rush that you feel when you, I don't know, first jump into a pit when you're 13, 14 years old or something like that. He's managed to capture that somehow in a bottle and then the developers of Doom have very wisely gone, well, this would be a good soundtrack for ripping the shit out of demons. And it works just so beautifully. Um, it's an incredible Do game. Do you know much, about, I, for a start, I've never played any of those games. I'm aware of them, obviously, oh. but never never gone there because mm. um, I'm also very wary of games that I know that are almost like a black hole and you're going to end up disappearing into them and, and your time will be just vanishing. But yeah. I've yeah. heard so much about his soundtracks for them. Do you know what his his vibe is with it? Do you know what what his interests were? I mean, from everything that I can gather from it, it's it seems like he's obviously grown up and uh, I don't know. Is there any connection between a lot of like the British bands like Coil and Nurse with Wound and things like that, where it was really um, experimental electronic music that was was definitely working 
towards uh, atmosphere and effect through sound is is that is is he part of that lineage or is it just chance uh, truthfully i'm not i'm not entirely sure i know he's australian and looking having a quick look at his wikipedia page he, oh, fucking hell he's my age he's 35 bastard he seems to have predominantly worked in video game soundtracks so i don't think he has any lineage in kind of like a band or anything like no, that. no i'm just but curious in terms as, of recreating yeah i meant as as far as his influences would be that was, i was just curious i wonder are there any interviews with him online i'm going to look it up I'm oh there nerd. definitely will be i tried let's get him on the pod let's get him on the pod with him. do it hey? yeah. make it happen yeah, yeah i'd love to I tried to do an interview with him for it was either Metal Hammer or Independent. I can't remember, and we didn't manage to get. Well, we didn't actually manage to get it working because we were going to do it for the Doom Eternal soundtrack, but he had a bit of a falling out with the um, game developers of Doom Eternal for some reason. I don't know the details of that though, yeah. so I won't go into that. But yes, as far as I'm aware, he's. I mean, he's done video game soundtrack work for stuff like Need for Speed and uh, Marvel Superhero Squad and Killer Instinct and Wolfenstein and Prey. Uh, but I think it was the Doom soundtrack that really, really put him on the map because so many people just listened to it and were like, well, this if a band released this, this would be like contender for album of the year yeah. kind of thing. They did, they did release the Doom um, soundtrack officially. It's like a double disc, like two and a half hours of like heavy driving with sugar-esque rhythms. So it's quite hard in one sitting, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's an amazing piece of work. I think because of these like disagreements that they've had the doom eternal soundtrack hasn't been released officially as of yet but you can listen to it all on youtube you know as you can with everything these yeah. days so yeah incredible work incredible work yeah I've, I've, like i said i've never got into those games what um what platform do you play i do pc i'm one of those unusual gamers in that i'm a pc gamer um i mean doom's available for all yeah. the major platforms what do you play games um, on, ps4 at the moment but like hopefully as of next week but we shall see i've got ps5 i'm not in any i'm not in any rush to be honest no worries have you do you got one yeah. already yeah how is it oh yeah oh it's lovely <laughs> it's big <laughs> it's really quite large it takes up quite yeah. a large space in the in the living room yeah uh, yeah it's great i have i just have i have miles morales and uh i pre-ordered cyberpunk and that'll that'll that looks me. great um the spider-man game looks amazing it's super fun it's great I've been playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima and um yeah and I think that there's like um you can you, it, that's available on um on 5 as well and it looks like uh, the graphics look even more lush and incredible that game's amazing that is yeah. that's the one that has basically saved my 2020 that and Apex Legends <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Lixon from Refuse does a lot of the soundtrack work in uh, Cyberpunk 2077 Yeah because they um uh, they the whole band actually recorded, didn't they? In the same way that um, in GTA there would be like different radio stations you can listen to. I believe there's something yep. kind of similar in in Cyberpunk and and uh, yeah, and refused have uh, done a whole album, but as a band called Samurai, um, that are so a band cool. within That's the right. game. Yep. That's it's a great wicked band as well. Name. That's that, a great band yeah. name. But there's there's a lot. Uh, there's kind of a few other artists have done stuff like Converge has done a track for it. Um, grimes has done stuff for it oh, cool. um that's wicked i think when um when artists are getting involved um way more in 
in that world because they realize how big it is and and all of them are gamers pretty much and it ma- it makes a, a perfect yeah. sense to marry it up and they'll probably end up getting a better deal than they would if they were just to put stuff up on dsps yeah well it's such a it's such a brilliant way to get into new bands i mean i think we had this whole generation of people getting into bands via rock band and um, guitar hero and etc etc or games like gta or saints row was had like a really good soundtrack and stuff like that you know and it's actually like a really good avenue to try and get people into music i mean if you go back even further like the whole tony hawk franchise made bands careers yeah that made a band's career. Yeah, great shout. Having a big track on on that whole series of games was was like having a, a, an actual hit record. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I've seen it with loads of bands. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, yes. tell me your recommendation for Recommendation Corner this week. So I'm going to recommend a record, uh, a musical Uh-oh. musical record. Uh, it's uh, by a band from California called Spice. And their record is called Spice. This is a self-titled record. Uh, it was released in July this year. And uh, James Spence from the band Rello Tomasi, who is my one of my go-to guys for like interesting new music, he recommended End to me like three years ago. That's how I got into those yeah. guys. Mm. And um, should have listened to the Rock Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should have. <laughs> And yeah, it's it's awesome. Spice is great. It's produced by a guy called Sam Pura, who did Basement Story so far, and it's got Ross Farr and uh, Jake from Ceremony, and a bunch of other kind of people from cool bands, and it's yeah. awesome. Like it's very. It's a brilliant record. Yeah, it's kind of. I guess I hate breaking it down to sort of. It's Jawbreaker, Fugazi, J Church, like sort of vibe, but it's thirty minutes long, so it doesn't stick around. Um, it's out on Dice Record, D A I S Records, and it's awesome. I, it's definitely in my top ten this year. I, I can't stop yeah. listening to it. Yeah, it's brilliant. I agree. And the artwork's awesome. I have it just just over there. Very green, lush trees, and then a little orange I was monkey. Say, trees. <laughs> I've only managed to listen to this record once, but I had a very brief listen to it, and I thought it sounded great. It really reminded yeah, it's awesome, me. Man. And I don't know if it's because of the artwork is quite similar as well. And I feel like that this was another release that went a little under the radar last year. But do are either of you familiar with that band, Pile? No. P-I-L-E. Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, maybe this is something I can get you guys into. I'm going to bring this up super, super quickly because it really, really, really did remind me of them. Unfortunately, I mean, having a name like Pile as a band is not going to be the best thing for you. Well, career, to be honest, Spice Spice isn't particularly good. Like you literally no, try and Google Spice and it's just pages and pages of Jerry Halliwell. Which, which is fine. Which is fine. Which I mean, is I'm fine. more than happy as a, as a side diversion. <laughs> there, I guess... I guess an indie rock band, I suppose, um, from Boston, Massachusetts, but they have um, a kind of Pixies vibe sometimes as well. They bring in noise rock elements as well. Um, and they released this record, Green and Grey, last year that I feel really flew, flew under the radar. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant release. The um, artwork for uh, this Spice album reminds me of the artwork but the sound is quite similar uh, as well yeah yeah, like, yeah 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 I see what yeah you're is it ringing a bell yeah sort of fugazi yeah. meets oh my god how can i even it's just it's just an incredible incredible record but this reminded me of that um and i like it very very much but you're you're familiar with spice already are you dan 
Spice, yes. Uh, yeah. I don't think Pile, I'm not sure. I might have I might have played a song. I'd only have, like, I'm terrible with album titles and song titles at this point. It has to be the actual song itself. I'd have to listen to some stuff just because there's so much stuff constantly getting... If you get an opportunity yeah. to listen to that Pile record, I would love to know what you think because I think it'll be right. Yeah, we'll do, definitely. I think it's a great right, record. Same to you, Matt. Yeah, brilliant. But Spice, yes, let's talk Spice. But Sorry. Spice. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's great. It's, like I said, 30 minutes. After you've listened to Bart Market Elrond, stick Spice on and you'll have a lovely mm. time today, I promise. Mm. Yeah, I think Ross is an amazing frontman as well. Oh, um, God. yes, absolutely. Great lyricist. Um, I, I do like the fact that sort of Ceremony t- like transitioned into this Joy Division-esque you know, very British sounding band from this yep. super abrasive, obnoxious punk hardcore band into this um, sort of post-punk band, which is, mm. yeah, brilliant. But yeah, I yeah. feel like Spice yeah. is definitely like a, him uh, continuing down that path a little bit. Yeah, it feels like a start of something as well to me. I know it's 30 minutes, so it's probably more like a mini album or whatever in length, but it feels like a bunch of incredible ideas and it's the Longer start Longer than of- Raining Blood. It is for Long of the Rain of Blood, yeah. It just feels like the start of, you know, and I think I think there's going to be a lot more to come from them. And I think more and more people will find out as soon as they get past Spice Girls on Google search, as soon as they actually find the band Spice, they will. Um, there's going to be a lot more to come from them. Like you say, his, his vocals are great. The music's great. They've got a violin uh, player as part of the band, which adds like a real extra dimension. And yeah, yeah it's wonderful. I hate saying things sound like Fugazi, because it's just like Fugazi become that all-encompassing band that you kind of say when anything is sort of a bit interesting <laughs> and difficult and you just go, it sounds like Fugazi. You but, just reminded me of something. I'll tell you in a minute. Carry on. Sorry. All right. Yeah. No. Yeah. So go listen to Spice. That's my recommendation. Dan, do you yeah. have a something for our recommendations corner? <laughs> uh, yeah. I was thinking about this my recommendation and this isn't a new thing so don't be all like oh that came out ages ago right. but uh, i'm not not sure everyone would have watched it um i would say uh midnight gospel on um netflix if people don't know or have watched that yet um they need to check it out because it's truly incredible are you I, both aware of it no no i've, I've i don't not, think i've no. ever heard of it no really yeah 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 and I'm cool. Have you both gotten... <laughs> <laughs> you are. Is this cool? Am I cool? Yeah. Is this cool? Am I cool? <laughs> You've both got Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not the dark ages, is it? <laughs> um, you both need to watch The Midnight Gospel. The Midnight okay. Gospel. Were either of you Adventure Time fans? Yes. Yes. Okay, so it's been co-created by Pendleton Ward, who uh, was one of the creators of Adventure Time, and mm. Duncan Trussell who is one of my favorite podcasters on the planet. He's He was initially a comedian. And I first found out about him, actually, from watching episode 666 of the Joe Rogan podcast. And um, Rogan got him on because he was like, who else could I get on? And... Uh, and I, was, and I watched the whole episode and was just like, oh, I think I might be in love with this man. He's um, incredibly funny, really smart, very spiritually aware he's into magic um in all its forms like chaos magic and and uh and other stuff but the two of them have made this cartoon and the basic uh premise of it is 
there's this character called Clancy who is essentially he's voiced by Duncan Trussell and and is Duncan Trussell for all intents and purposes and what this guy does he has he lives on this little weird world and he has this thing that's like a um like a portal to other worlds and other realms and he sticks his head in it and then he'll he'll pick a world <laughs> it sounds so trippy it is it's <laughs> mental uh and then he'll go to that world and then he'll do a podcast interview with somebody on the planet like he'll find this character and he'll be like hey do you want to be on my space cast and then he'll interview them and that's what the cartoon is each episode but each thing or character that he interviews is actually a real person is voiced by a real person and it's that person telling their life story intercut with weird things that are happening so for example <laughs> that's so crazy episode three yeah episode three is with um damien eccles uh, are mm -hmm. you aware he was one of the West Memphis West Memphis Three, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Who were uh, who were three guys that obviously like uh, back in the day were accused of murdering people, and they were sent to uh, sent to prison in the U.S. on a on its ridiculous trial that um, was totally faked. Basically, they they were accused of murdering these three kids because they liked metal and dressed in black clothes and. Damien in particular was into um, occultism. This story was captured brilliantly in the three-part film Paradise Lost. Yes. So episode three is with Damien Eccles, but in the cartoon, he's actually a goldfish in a bowl that is on, the, on like, that's the head of a robot. And... He... <laughs> this is a real show, Dan. Is this a... <laughs> this sounds, dude are you I'm pitching tripping. is this this yeah, sounds like a I'm show you're pitching balls right now <laughs> and then yeah, the i'm gonna go I to ate. a podcast and it's gonna be in a different world <laughs> yeah the things that i ate at the start of this podcast are fully kicking in right the now paint from the decorating <laughs> room has started to affect my I, mind a bit i thought those brownies looked a little off yeah so no this is so <laughs> you need to watch it because if if you you like all those things um, so the whole thing is all these different interviews with people that have had really interesting lives, generally with a, a, a really strong spiritual message within the cartoon. Um, so David Nickturn is one of the people. Who else is one of the people? Jason Louvre is a guy that does a podcast and also runs a, a magic training course, basically. He's been involved in occultism for, for years and years, and he was like a protege of Genesis Peorage and... You know, he's one of the guests on it and Duncan interviews him. Oh, sorry, Clancy, the character Clancy, interviews him mm -hmm. about magic and he explains what magic is and how it works and how um, consciousness can affect life. Wow. <laughs> Whenever you say the word magic, I just think of Job from Arrested Development. So that's... Yeah, that's, it's, that's, it's that's not, <laughs> not like pulling a bunch of flowers some, out of somebody's... Throwing some mad stardust in the air whilst the final <laughs> countdown's playing. You know what I mean? I mean, magic, magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the the last okay. episode of the podcast is Duncan interviewing his mother who had recently passed away. Wow. And it's it's somebody else teaching, like who's a spiritual teacher, telling him about death mm -hmm. and grief 
and but the character rather than it being like a cat that can talk the character in this one is actually a drawing of his mother and it's him, oh. uh, her talking him through his grief for her for losing her wow dude it's it's so heavy and um yeah i mean you can watch it on on various levels you can just go this is like a really trippy wild cartoon but there's actually amazing lessons in spiritual development and personal growth within it and that's why it's so clever it's so it's so amazing wow. i can't I, recommend it enough i can't believe i've never heard of it i'm gonna gonna go add it to my list when this conversation's finished that sounds fascinating that sounds like a really genuinely unique show yeah it is you know yeah it's wild but i actually spoke to duncan like just online and was when when the the show was first coming out and i said um I really need you to come on my podcast and, and we'll talk about it all. And he was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Um, but we never got around to it, which I need to chase up because he's, he's an intre- like an incredible human being and his, his podcast is fantastic as well. What's the name of his podcast, Dan? His podcast is called Duncan Trussell's Family Hour. And I listened to one last mm. night whilst I was driving home from doing the show, um, which is with a guy called Connor Habib, who is also a podcaster who does a podcast called uh connor habib against everyone i think and it's uh it's so um madly psychedelic that the episode i listened to last night that when i got in i was really tired but actually felt like i was coming up on something it was wild kind of (laughs) weirdly mind expanding (laughs) conversation but um so he so both of those guys have incredible podcasts but duncan's amazing Uh, awesome and I, i can't recommend this this show enough I think a lot of people would probably be put off just by the look of it and think it's like uh, silly, but it's so heavy. It's great. Yeah, that sounds really heavy. That last episode in particular yeah. sounds absolutely devastatingly heavy. Yeah, yeah and I'd, I'd, I'd lost my mum like a couple of years ago and when I was watching it, I was just like, my mind was melting. Mm. It was so great. Dan, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time with your brilliant pick. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for talking to us about this period and your experience in this period and for being so candid and open and honest with us. Um, It's an absolute joy to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me. And there we have it. A lovely rambly conversation there with Daniel to the P to the Carter there. Oh, wait, why did I do that? About the 90s. Oh, the 90s, Matt. How I love the 90s. Bathe me. Bathe me in the 90s, my friend. <laughs> Bathe me. Wash do me down. Do you think we made it clear enough during that conversation that we like the 90s? Because I'm not sure if we if we underlined it or highlighted it enough. I think we maybe need to do a podcast that's just top three things that Matt and Renfrey love about the 90s. But yes. I think we, it wouldn't be a three. I think it would have to be a, a hundred, a thousand. Yeah, a 300, I yeah, would say. Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, we'll look forward to that. Uh, that'll be a patron. Uh, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> deep cut. <laughs> deep cut, yeah, yeah. If you enjoyed this conversation, we have plenty more coming for this season from the likes of Jamie Lemon, Sophie Kay, Andrew Groves from Arcane Roots, who we mentioned in our intro, Katie Davis from Pupil Slicer. Lots of really exciting chats coming up. If you don't want to miss out on any of those conversations, I would humbly suggest that you subscribe and you will get them delivered straight to your listening device every Monday morning, the moment they appear. Hot and fresh. Hot and fresh. Hot and fresh. 
Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3MagicNumberPod to be up to date with the latest and the greatest things that we're doing. Matt has been furiously putting out top threes on there like a furiously. furious top three. Furiously. <laughs> like a furiosa on Twitter. Yes, <laughs> like a furiosa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you asked people for their top three sophomore albums, didn't you? I did. I did, and yes. the sophomore, the sophomore record, I mean, super quickly is a very interesting one because you know often it's where bands fall down quite spectacularly or, or discover their sound. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. So it's always a critical, important, important absolutely, one. Yeah. Do you want to start at the top of this list? Absolutely, yeah. So I'm just going to read. We had such a great response on this. Um, yeah, thank you guys. So Sam Lee's has gone with worship and tribute. Uh, oh. Watch out, Glassjaw, my favourite. Oh, Glassjaw. Uh, sorry, w- sorry. Watch out. And watch out. Uh, Alexa's on fire. Alexa's yeah, on yeah, fire. yeah. And we're all alone in this together, which I don't actually know. What is we're which all is, alone in this together? Yeah. That's going to drive me let insane. Us, let us know, Sam. It's, uh, it's it's sorry. It's Dave. Of course it is. Of course it was on. I, I was like, I know Dave. that record. It's it's the Dave record, Dave. which is it's absolutely Dave, incredible. Yeah, it's a great yeah. Record. My my I, I, um. Yeah. Oh, I, I have another podcast uh, called Riot Act and my co-host Steve, uh, who might appear on this podcast one day. That was his album of last year. So ah. yes, 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 yes. So yes, James Smurthwaite has gone with Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. Sunbather by Def Heaven. I mean, goodness yes. me. And Melodrama by Lord, which is a phenomenal record. Never really listened to much Lord. Should I? St- is that a good one to start with? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Start okay. with that and then go back to her debut and ignore the most recent one. Uh, Damien uh, from the St. Pierre Snake Invasion Saint-Pierre has Snake invasion. gone uh, with Only Love. That's The Armed. Yeah, yep. that's uh, very Damien. Hide to the Kitchen Knives. That's The Paper Chase, which is also very Damien. <laughs> and, and and Hot Damn from, uh, yeah, from the Every, Every Time, Time I, I Die. Dies. Yeah, sadly, uh, sadly, uh, R.I.P. quite yep. recently. But yeah, yeah, that, that's that. I mean, that's a great shout. I would say Only Love and Hide the Kitchen Knives in particular are two of the most viscerally difficult records i've ever heard in my life probably pretty like hide the kitchen knives in particular but they are both brilliant and yeah those are some great picks yeah yeah, yeah. i mean there's some amazing picks there's, i won't i won't go to all of them because you know this is just the short ending of the podcast but you know <laughs> we've got the ben's radiohead paranoid black sabbath siamese dream smashing pumpkins uh, lift mm. your skinny wrist by godspeed 59 mm. sound by gaslight anthem uh, some band, some awful band called Ocean Size, and everyone entered position. I mean, <laughs> don't who, who you chose that? Dare. Was that? So, a a <laughs> Mr. Mike Venner, I know is is a good friend of ours and listens to this this podcast. And B Ocean Size are the greatest British band of all time. I said it many many times before. It's, just, it's one of those. It's just a jest. It's just a jest. It's, it's one of those controversial things. Yes. <laughs> I know Honestly, for well, it's a silly thing to say, but I believe so, it. There's so many incredible records. <laughs> Uh, Flood has chosen Ruben, Very Fast, Very Dangerous, uh, mm. which is a majestic record. Um, mm-hmm. Just, yeah, I mean, just so many. Uh, Say Hello to Sunshine by Finch, which I, I didn't really know Finch, even though I probably should. And um, I've really gone back into it. And uh, Queens this Adam, our friend Adam Valelli has gone with Queens of Stone Age rated R, which is just anyway lots and lots so thank you very much we will be uh, tweeting and posting on instagram lots of other top threes and um you know please do make suggestions and reply and we will read them out at the end of each podcast yeah 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 we will we'll do that the, the, thank you very much for the response to that there's been some really really great ones there uh next week our guest is broadcaster and journalist greg cochran 
so mm. please come and join us for that that is a um <laughs> that was a chat that i don't want to spoil it but i went into it being like i'm gonna have nothing to contribute to this and it ended up being a really fascinating chat which was far far more interesting and this is nothing against greg but far more interesting than i thought it was going to be yeah i mean his his topics are, are me nailed down to a t so yeah, you know, yeah i um, yeah, i loved yeah. i love this conversation i think it's one of my favorites of the season so yeah yeah it's it, 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 it is fantastic um so yeah we will see you then thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next week bye, bye.